Amen. Good morning. You guys can have a seat. My name is Kyle. I am so glad to see you. Let me tell you how glad I am to see you. I'm really glad to see you because I love each and every one of you. Another reason why I'm really glad to see you this morning, I have very vivid dreams. I don't know if you dream a lot, but I dream a lot. I don't know if there's a night goes by that I don't dream and notice that I'm dreaming and wake up the next morning, remember that I dreamed. I'm, I, that's what I do. I just dream a lot. Uh, I dream in color. Sometimes I fly. All kinds of fun dreams. Anyway, but I had one this week, and it happens every now and then, you know, you have a dream about church because, you know, it's a big part of my life. And Anyway, I had a dream this week that like nobody showed up, so I am really glad that you are here. You make me feel really, really good today, uh, in spite of fish that didn't make it last week. You showed up, so thank you so much. Uh, one of the things that I'm really uh, excited about and thankful for uh, since we've gone to two worship gatherings on Sunday morning is the time and space before, after, and in between our gatherings for us to fellowship. And we want to encourage you to take advantage of that time, coming early, staying in between, connecting with people, and having a great time. So we're in the final week of this series called He Moves, We Move. And I believe that as we've been leaning into God's Word, He's been challenging us. And it's been uh, very um, incredible that in the midst of this series called He Moves, We Move, uh, we're in the midst of the reality of that um, by way of the Johnson family who is going to help our church plant another church. And this week was uh, very um, tangible, I guess. Uh, Aaron spent time in Fort Worth and also in Northwest Arkansas. My, uh, me and my wife and Josh and Crystal joined him and uh, Renee in Northwest Arkansas praying about, God, do you want him to go to Fort Worth? God, do you, do you want us to go to Northwest Arkansas? Nashville's going to be visited in a couple weeks. And they are just seriously like, God, where do you want us to go? We'll go. Can you imagine being in that moment, like, God, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. That's where the Johnson family is right now. So would you pray for them? Uh, man, they're just doing so well, and God's blessed us with them. Uh, a team is forming around them. God's working in and through that. Uh, but just pray for them. Uh, while we were gone to Northwest Arkansas, another way you can pray for them, uh, Renee, Aaron's wife, uh, her grandmother passed away. And so would you just pray for the family? God would just comfort them and strengthen them. And then uh, this week's going to be a busy week for them as well as they're going to get some training through Stadia. So pray for the Johnson family. Uh, they're just trying to uh, move as God leads them because they want what we want. We want people to find and follow Jesus. It is our heartbeat here. It is our purpose here. It is our mission here. We are here to help people find and follow Jesus. I'm going to say it again. Help people find and follow Jesus. Would you say it with me? Help people find and follow Jesus. Say it with me. Help people find and follow Jesus. That's why we're here. That's our purpose. That's our mission. If, if you get tired of hearing that, let me tell you, you're going to hear it more because that's what God has given us to do is to help people find Jesus, follow Jesus by way of faith. So why? Why do we want to help people find and follow Jesus? We'll look at Matthew chapter 28 to a verse that um, we look at often. It's, in page, uh, it's on page 828 if you want to grab a Bible underneath your seat. It's also going to be on the screen and we encourage you to open your Bibles and look at Matthew chapter 28. Here's what I know, that in any um, group, any organization, anytime you're coming together for a purpose, if you don't say it and say it again and say it again and say it again, we all tend to lose focus. 
we all tend to fade in what we're supposed to be doing. And so today, we're going to be saying what we've been saying over and over again and what Jesus gave us to do in Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority. Everybody say that word with me, authority. Authority. I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Now, if you're a believer and you are someone that's placed your faith in Jesus, what we're about to read may just come very um, natural for you. It may just be like, yes, let's go. But here's what I do know. Most people normally struggle with authority. They just do. All of us do. I don't care how old you are or what generation you're from. All of us just kind of naturally struggle with authority. I'm not saying you don't listen to authority. I'm not saying you don't submit to authority. But all of us are like, well, who are you? Why can you tell me what you're about to tell me? Who puts you in charge? For, so for just a moment, so we don't miss this, whether you're a believer or not, I want you to understand who's speaking and why we should listen to him and why he has authority, this man, this person named Jesus. Well, to begin with, he is the son of God. I'm saying that's a pretty big reason as to why we should listen to him. He's the very son of God. Let me give you another reason. He was sent by God. So he was sent with authority. So God's authority is what sent Jesus here on this earth. And I can give you several more reasons, but those are two huge reasons why he has authority and we ought to recognize his authority and we ought to listen to him. He is the son of God and he was sent by God. But it doesn't stop there. Let me take you to the ultimate reason why we should listen to, follow, and adhere to what Jesus tells us to do. He did a lot of amazing things like miracles, he healed people, he caused the deaf to hear, the blind to see, he, he healed sick people, he did incredible things. But listen to me, Jesus, the Son of God, sent by God, predicted his own death and his resurrection, and he pulled it off. So if there's any question in your mind whether he has authority, whether he has power, whether he has the ability to say something and we should listen to it, did you hear what I just said? He predicted his own death and his resurrection and he pulled it off. I don't know about you, but when somebody says, hey, I'm going to die and this is how I'm going to die, that's kind of a big deal. But when they follow it up to say, and after that, I'm going to come back from the dead and they do it, I'm listening to that guy. Believers, this is what all of our hope rests in, amen? It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And if we believe in him and count on him to give us eternity with him through salvation, surely we will believe him and follow him and listen to him in this life now. This is who's talking. When Jesus says, I've, given, I've been given all authority, he's been, he's been given resurrection authority, been given resurrection authority. So as we listen this morning, notice that this is who is speaking. This is after Jesus has been crucified on the cross. This is after Jesus came back from the dead. By the way, if you are like, well, I don't know if I want to believe in Jesus or not, and you're wrestling with that, or this whole Christianity thing, did you hear what we just said? Jesus died and came back from the dead, but it gets a little bit deeper. He didn't just do it to show off his power. He didn't just do it to show off his authority. Jesus exercised his authority for me and for you. He died on the cross so that my sins and so that your sins could be paid for with his death. 
He came back from the dead so that we could overcome our sin and so that we could experience forgiveness and so that we could experience salvation. That's what Christianity is all about. We gather today and there's a lot of other things that are the outflow of who we are as Christians. But listen, Christianity is all about the resurrected Savior. He is our hope. He is our Lord. He is our master. He is our boss. He is our ruler. We get our marching orders and our mission and our purpose from him. These ideas that we're talking about today, this truth that we're declaring, this mission that we're sharing, it's not our idea, it's his idea, and we're trying to follow it because he has resurrection authority. Resurrection authority. Now, if you're a believer, that should stir you up. And this is going to be the third week in a row I say this, so listen to me. If the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is not enough for you to decide to follow him, there is nothing else that's going to stir you up to follow him. And I'm speaking to believers right now, okay? I'm speaking to those of you that believe in Jesus. If you're not taking following Jesus seriously right now, and you are missing the truth and the glory and the power of his death and of his burial and of his resurrection, nothing else is going to stir you up to follow him. So I pray that today as we talk about Jesus, you'd be reminded that it's not just a name, it's not just a nice guy, but that he's the resurrected Savior. And that therefore we should do what he tells us to do. Look at verse number 19. Therefore, since I have all authority, here's what I want to tell you. Therefore, go, everybody say go. And make disciples. Everybody say, make disciples. Of all the nations baptizing. Say the word baptizing. Them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So he begins to tell us who? His believers. Who? His followers. What we should be doing. He tells us to go. To move and to move with intentionality. And to move with purpose. To accomplish a mission that he's given us. For some of us, we don't know what go means, right? Like, does go mean across the country? We talked about the Johnsons just a moment. It meant from across the country, from Pennsylvania to who knows where. They don't know. That scares the daylights out of some of you. You're like, ah, don't sign me up for that. Maybe go for you means across the street. But the go is for all of us. Every single one of us who have believed in Jesus, he has told us to go to go somewhere to someone to preach a specific message of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He tells us to make disciples. Disciples are Jesus' followers. These are people that are watching Jesus, listening to Jesus, obeying Jesus, doing what Jesus does, doing what Jesus tells them to do. Disciples, perfect people know but becoming more like Jesus daily through his resurrection power, yes. Disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus. This is what we're called to make. We're called to make disciples, Jesus followers. Here's what we know. You can't teach what you don't know, right? You can't show what you don't have. You can't share what you don't have. Our purpose is to go and to show others how to follow Jesus. You can't follow if you're not listening you can't follow if you aren't obeying. You can't follow if you are not going. Becoming a disciple begins with the faith in the resurrected Savior. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Everybody. You see what Jesus did right there? He said everybody. He includes everybody. He reminds us that his death, 
wasn't just for me and wasn't just for you, but it was for everybody. Guess how many people deserve for Jesus to die in their place? Guess how many people Jesus died for in their place? All of them. That includes me. That includes you. That includes my neighbor. That includes my friend. That includes the person I don't want to be friends with, right? It includes everybody. He says for us to go and to make disciples. And then he goes on and saying, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptizing. So we kind of have an idea of what baptism looks like probably. If you don't, it looks like in public, getting in water. Now let me just go ahead and tell you, it's strange. It's weird. In public, in front of people getting in water. Not to take a swim. Everybody else doesn't get in the pool. Everybody else watches. I mean, that's just kind of strange, isn't it? You get in some water, and you go under the water, and you come back up out of the water in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I would agree. Kind of weird, but crazy cool. Here's what it does. It's you doing what Jesus did. Guess what Jesus did? He got baptized. They put him under the water and they brought him back up. Guess what happened in that moment? Publicly, for the whole world, Jesus was identified as the Son of God. He was the Son of God before he did it, but publicly he was identified as the Son and the Father said, this is my Son. When you get baptized, you're doing what Jesus did and you're identifying with him and with the Father and the Father is publicly declaring through your baptism your relationship with him through your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you are a forgiven person through Jesus, your next step, if you haven't taken it yet, listen to me, your next step is to be baptized. There's a beautiful thing that happens in this picture of baptism. There is this being up and going under and coming back up. There's this picture of the death of Jesus, the burial of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus. There is this picture of us dying to ourselves and our sins being no more and being raised back to new life. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. If you have believed in Jesus and you've never been baptized, it is your next step I right now am doing what the scripture tells me to do. I'm teaching you to do what Jesus told you to do. And your next step is baptism. Next Sunday is going to be a great Sunday. We're going to have a baptism Sunday. We're going to celebrate. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be a great opportunity for you to follow Jesus in baptism. It goes on in verse number 20. Jesus, the one with resurrection authority, goes on and says, Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Say the word teach. It's better if you participate. Say the word teach. Say the word disciples. Okay, teach these new disciples. Well, who's supposed to teach these new disciples? If you're a believer, okay, if you're a believer, I want you to take your index finger, okay, kind of put it out like this. We're not going to let a little, little light shine. Instead, we're going to take our index finger and we're going to pour it to ourselves, Whose job is it to teach these new disciples? Right here. Well, I don't know everything. No, I wasn't speaking for you. I was speaking for me when I said that. I don't know everything. Is that the way you feel sometimes? I don't know everything about Jesus. I don't know, I don't know all there is to know about him. I don't know all the answers. I don't know whether Adam had a belly button or not. I don't know if I can answer all of their questions or not. But you know what you know, don't you? 
And the more you follow Jesus, the more you know about Jesus. And what you'll find is the more you share about Jesus, the more you'll know about Jesus. You need to find others that are around you and teach them. It's not just the pastor's job to teach the new disciples. It's our job as followers of Jesus to teach other followers of Jesus to follow Jesus. Now, we take this very seriously as your pastors and the leaders of this church, and we want to do that very, very well. But we want you to know, ultimately, it's on us to do it. The church, God's people, to teach these new disciples what he has called them to do. Look there again at verse number 20. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Now I want to pause for just a moment. You could read the rest of the scripture. You could keep reading the New Testament. You could go back and read the book of Matthew. You could go back and read the Old Testament. And he says, be sure, uh, excuse me, to teach these new disciples all that I've commanded you. There's a lot of things that Jesus wants us to do. But I want you to understand the context of what he's saying. He just told us what to do. And these things that he just told us to do in verse 19 and now in verse 20 are the very things that everything else flows out of. We can teach people what is right and what is wrong, and we should. Man, we should declare that abortion is wrong. Amen. Pray for our country. So many things that are important, that are huge. But if we are not going with the gospel, declaring the resurrected Savior, seeing people's hearts and lives forgiven and changed through faith unto salvation, and then showing them how they follow him in baptism and how they're supposed to follow Jesus, all these arguments and political debates, they're worth nothing. You cannot legislate righteousness. You just can't do it. It's the hearts of people that need to be desperately changed. You've got neighbors that make crazy decisions. Guess why they're making crazy decisions? Because they've got a messed up heart. They've got a messed up heart, and only Jesus is the one that can change their heart. Our leaders, man, I pray for them. Some of them are leading well. Some of them need new hearts. Amen? Only through Jesus. I pray there's people around them that are realizing, you know what? That's the person I need to go to. That's the person I need to go to. And I need to share the gospel with them. Look at this promise in the latter part of verse 20. Again, verse 20 says, Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this. This is so cool. It's an incredible promise. And be sure of this. I am with you how often? This is the promise of Jesus. We've been talking about he moves, we move. And I think a lot of us think, well, he's going to tell me to go over there, and I'm going to be all on my own. And he has made this promise that he is going to be with you everywhere he sends you. He is going to be with you everywhere he takes you. He is going to be with you to everything that he has called you to do. If it's go across the country, he's going to be there. If it's go across the street, he's going to be there. Jesus says, I'm going to be with you even to the end of the age. And then we're privileged and we're blessed. We're not alone this morning, are we? I'm not the only believer in the house, right? Like anybody else believe in Jesus this morning? Like all your heart, all your, okay, I'm not alone. So we're together in this. We have each other. It's called the church. And we have Jesus who's promised to be with us always. It's this beautiful, beautiful thing. We're not following alone. He is there. We are there. So how do we do this? 
Uh, maybe your heart got stirred a little bit, and you're like, ooh, that sounds good, but I'm scared, or ooh, that sounds good, or I don't know how. I want to give you two words that we use often around our church. It's not the only way to carry this out, but they're two very simplistic words that we use, and you've heard them before if you've been around here any bit of time at all, and you're about to hear them again, and these two words, invest and invite. Not necessarily on your notes, but I want you to write them down somewhere, these two words, invest and invite. Invest and invite. It's the idea of loving others that you come alongside in life to the point that they will listen to you, to love others so much that they will listen to you, to invest in them so that you can invite them. Now, I want to talk about this and break this down so we don't get this mixed up. A lot of times we think about investments. We think about what can I do with my money to get something out of it, right? What can I do with my time to get something out of it? I'm going to invest. I'm going to give so I can get. The investment that we're talking about this morning is not for us to get anything out of it. We're talking about giving to people so that they can get what they need. We're not trying to get something from them. We're trying to give something to them. When we're investing in other people, we are loving them whether they love us or not. We are loving them whether they love our Jesus or not. We are loving them because it's what we're called to do. And there's a greater chance that as we are living for Jesus and we are loving others that people will listen to us. Some of these people that you are loud mouthing with on Facebook and social media aren't listening to you because you haven't spent enough time with them to love them to the point that they will listen to you. Are you hearing me? You've got to love people before they're going to listen to you. We've got to invest in people. They've got to know that we are for them and that we are with them and that we want something more for them. So as we use this idea of invest and invite, you know people that I don't know, and I know people that you don't know. It's just called life. I'm related to people that you aren't related to, and you're related to people that I'm not related to, even though it is Arkansas and that overlaps a lot. All right, so anyway... But are you with me? You, you've got, you live on a street I don't live on. I live on a street you don't live on. God has put us in places with people. And he wants me and he wants you to invest in those people. He wants us to love those people to the point that we can invite them to Jesus. To the point that we can invite them to our church knowing that they're going to hear about Jesus. Now, I love inviting people to church, but here's what I found. People that I don't know most of the time don't say yes. People that I do know, there's a much greater chance of them saying yes, I'll go to church with you. Invest in people and then invite them to your Savior. Invest in people and then invite them to church. Love them to the point that they listen to you. So let me ask you this question. Who are the people in your life that you need to invest in? Who are the people in your life that you just need to love, you need to serve, you need to let them know that you're praying for them. You need to let them know that you're in their corner. You need to let them know that you are their friend no matter what. You need to let them know that you are there, that you are present, that you're willing to listen to them, even if you don't even agree with their ideas or their thoughts, but you're willing to listen to them and you're willing to invest in them. Some of you have natural relationships. They're called family, right? Those are natural relationships. Sometimes they're the hardest relationships too, right? Guess why God has given you those natural relationships? To bring about supernatural purposes. Some of you need 
and this is my prayer for you, that God will give you the courage to take your natural relationships and turn them into a supernatural purpose. You need to have some conversations, spend some life with, prove your love to some people that are naturally in your life so that you can move things into the supernatural with them because their greatest need is your greatest need. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And if you have him, you need to share him. Point them to Jesus and take the natural to the supernatural. Again, I pray that God will give you the courage to do that. Um, I'm going to give you a question on the screen. It's kind of the big question. You can fill it in on your notes. I've asked this question before, but we've got to be reminded of it, and that's this question. Who's the person closest to you that's the furthest away from God? Who's the person closest to you that's the furthest away from God? Process that for just a moment. Who are the natural rhythms of your life just put you around, whether it be by way of relationship the workplace, where, where, where is it right now that you're really close to people, but they are far away from God? There is a lifestyle right now that you just it's obviously opposes the way of God. Or there is just a, just a declaration in their voice that just says, you know what, I don't want anything to do with Jesus in my life right now. Who's the person that's closest to you that's furthest away from God? I would suggest to you that that is very likely the person and or one of the people that God wants you to invest in and love greatly right now. Who's the person that's closest to you that's furthest away from God? Maybe the person is just close in proximity. Maybe it's your neighbor across the street. You know, that one that you struggle with really, really hard. If you don't have one of those neighbors, you might be that neighbor. They might be at church right now thinking, I need to reach my neighbor, right? But you know what I'm talking about. You just you watch their life and you want more for them. You want better for them. Maybe things are falling apart right now. Maybe it's been decision after decision after decision they've made that's just brought about destruction after destruction after destruction. Or maybe it hadn't been bad decisions. Maybe it's just been life's been coming at them really fast and really hard lately. And they are at the bottom right now. And they don't have the hope of Jesus in their life. And you need to come alongside them, and you need to love them, and you need to point them to Jesus. Love them to the point that you can invite them. I want to share with you this idea. It's a plan. We want you to engage in this plan. It's the boxes that you see on your notes. We're going to give you some numbers to fill in there, and it's going to come on the screen. And we're calling this the 3125 plan. I think the numbers are coming up. There they are. Here's what we want to encourage you to do, church. We want to encourage you to invest in three people. And I'm going to talk about all this just a little bit and process this out with you. To invite one person to church, and we're going to qualify that. And to pray for 25 baptisms, and we're going to qualify that one. We want you to engage in this plan. We don't want to just do this by ourselves. We want to do this together. So here's what we mean by invest in three people. As we talked about earlier, loving people, being for people, praying for people, serving people, being there for people, listening to people, serving people. Who are the three people that God wants you to invest in? Just spend time with. You don't know if you're going to get anything out of it or not. There's no guarantee they're going to come to church. There's no guarantee they're going to believe in Jesus. There's no guarantee of anything except for that you will be doing what Jesus wants you to do. Who do you need to invest in right now? 
Maybe a moment ago you thought about some people that are close to you and they're far away from God. Maybe you think, thought about a relative. Maybe you thought about a friend. Maybe you went back to high school or college and somebody that you're still connected with and you just see they're going a totally different direction right now. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a coworker. Who do you need to invest in? What I want you to do is to consider and think, and we're going to remind you of this because you may not come up all three of them right now. Maybe some of you are like, boom, 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 boom. I know exactly who they are. But to invest in three people. You're sitting here today as a follower of Jesus because somebody invested in you. Somebody loved you unconditionally. Somebody was there for you. Somebody listened to you. Somebody prayed for you. Somebody served you. Invest in three people. If you're a parent, your kid might be one of the people on that list. I'm standing here today as a follower of Jesus because my mom and dad invested in me. We well, say that's just what parents do. That's not what parents do. That's what followers of Jesus who are parents do. So maybe for you, you've got some children that you need to invest in. Maybe they're grown. And you need to invest in them. Invest in three people. This next one is to invite one person. You're like, well, I can think of one. Let me, let me qualify this one. And you might want to put your note down there below it. We, want to, we really want to challenge you. Invite one person per week to church. Okay? Write that in. Y'all are, are looking at me like, I don't know. Is this over yet? Take your pen. Right? Per week. Per week. I don't care if it's the same person every week if you need to keep inviting that person. Listen to me. Inviting someone to Jesus Inviting someone to church, which ought to be one and the same, because when they come here, they're going to hear the gospel. It's massive and it's huge. Listen to this very closely. Seven out of ten people who do not attend church have never been invited. We'll say that again. Seven out of ten people who do not attend church have never been invited. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking about the people that you know that don't go to church. And you're, particularly, uh, you're, you're thinking in particular about them, and you're thinking, well, they know they ought to be in church. Well, you knowing that they know and them knowing is not them being invited. There's a huge difference. Some of you got family members and are like, well, they just ought to be in church. That's not you inviting them. You telling them you ought to be in church. <laughs> you ever done that? You ever been guilty of that? Well, you ought to be in church. True statement, but not an invitation. It's more of an indictment. It's more of a crushing blow. Who in your life right now is not going to church and they haven't heard from you? I would really love for you to come to church with me. It could shift everything for them. Instead of you condemning them, love them. Listen, the gospel will change their life. Love them towards the gospel. Love them. Out of all the things I'm going to say today, I kind of think this may be the most important thing for us to get as a church, is the power of the invite. Again, this idea that I've got this neighbor and they don't go to church and I've talked to them about it. Okay, well, who is it in your life that just needs to be invited? Not told, not scolded, not preached to, not put down, but invited. I don't know about you, but I like to get invitations. I like to get invitations. My son's got a birthday this afternoon, birthday party, and he put out some invites. Guess what? All those people felt kind of special. He invited me. Guess what? I got invited too. That felt pretty good that my son wanted me to go. 
What if my son would have said, Dad, I don't want you to go to my birthday? Some of you have reached that point in life, right? Like you got old enough with your kids and they kind of, we're not quite there yet, so I still appreciate the invite. An invite is huge. It's huge. Invite one person. Leverage social media. Use that platform. Use whatever platform you want, but invite one person. Next. Pray for 25 baptisms, and if you want to qualify this one, because I don't think it's on the screen, but 25 baptisms by Easter. By Easter, by this Easter. Easter this year, I believe, is April the 21st. Pray that God would allow us to see in and through our church 25 baptisms by Easter. We've got a baptism Sunday coming up next Sunday. Maybe some of you are the answer to one of those 25. Today you've heard, yes, I know Jesus is my Savior, but I've never been baptized, and I need to take that next step. Next week is going to be an awesome opportunity for you to take that next step, and there are going to be other opportunities before Easter. But would you pray? What if we got to celebrate on Easter that 25 or more people got baptized? Well, what if only 23 get baptized by Easter? I think God will be, I think he'll be still happy. You're with me? This isn't about, well, what if we don't reach our goal? This is about us praying. This is about us coming on mission with God and saying, this is what you want us to do. Not 25 so we can notch our belt, but 25 because we can see God working in people's lives and in and through our church for his glory. Okay? So invest in three people, invite one person, and pray for 25 baptisms. There's somebody right now, they're calling, saying they want to get baptized right now. If that's what they're calling about, you take that call. (laughs) Remember our mission is to help people what? Find, help me out, and follow Jesus. I'll say it again. Find and what? Follow Jesus. This is our mission. This is our mission. I went kind of long, but um, I got one more scripture I'm going to look at really quick. It's in 2 Corinthians. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 20. This is declared over us by God. So we, who's we? That's us, the church. So we are Christ ambassadors. We are his representatives. We are the ones that get to represent the name of Jesus. God is making his appeal through who? Through who? Through who? us. God's making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead. Do you hear the the emotion and the love and the passion that's in that word plead? You ever pleaded with somebody? You want it so bad for yourself. You want it so bad for them. You know it's what needs to happen, so you give it everything you've got. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. This is not shouting at them from the street corner. This is sharing from them once you've proven that you are in their corner. Did you catch that? Sharing with them once you've proven you are in their corner. Saying to them these incredible words that all of humanity desperately needs to hear. Come back to God. And then verse 21. For God made Christ, Jesus, that we were speaking of and reading from and listening to and praising and declaring today. For God made Christ who never sinned. Anybody else want to declare that about yourself? That's me. I haven't sinned either. I'm good. Anybody? 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 I'm waiting. 
If that's you, I'll give you the mic and I will sit down, okay? I'm standing before you as a very imperfect person who has sinned a lot. But Christ, look at this, who never sinned to be the offering for our sin. This is the death of Jesus on the cross so that we could be made what? Right with God through Christ. Like God unconditionally loves us so much that he gave us Jesus, and in our faith in Jesus, we are eternally his because he wants us to be his because of what Jesus has done. How many people in the world need to hear that message of hope and of truth and of salvation? That's the message that we declare. That's the message that we declare. So in wrapping all this up, I want to give you a couple of next steps. They're going to come on the screen. They're going to be on your program there for you to consider Maybe your next step today is just to do what Jesus wants you to do next, and that is, and we left a blank. I don't know what next is for you. Maybe it's to go across the street to your neighbor. Maybe it's to start praying for your neighbor. Maybe it's to start loving that person that's close to you who's far away from God. Maybe it's to be baptized. Maybe it's to just say, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to do what you say. I'm going to start saying yes to you, Jesus. Do what Jesus wants you to do next. Fill in that blank. Figure out what that is and do it. Start following him. Next, to participate fully in the three, one, two, five plan. I'm going to figure out who my three people are. I'm going to start faithfully as I can, inviting one person to church per week. There are a lot of people that attend our church. And I just thought, man, what if 150 people out of all of our church, what if just 150 people said, you know what? I'm going to start inviting one person to church every week. Now let me flip it. What if all of us said that? We've got some invite cards that are on your chair there. Grab those up. We can give you plenty more of them. You can use social media. But ultimately, just go to people and tell them you're for them. Tell them you want something for them, not from them. Tell them you want them to be here with you. Tell them you want something that is incredible, that's going to change their life forever for them. And pray that God will let us see 25 baptisms between now and Easter. Wouldn't that be fun? Are y'all tired? Because I'm, I'm kind of like, I want to smile right now. And y'all are kind of like, is he serious? Like, we got to do work? No, we don't have to do work. We get to get on mission with Jesus. And that's what excites me. That's what drives me. My heart as a pastor is not to preach to bigger crowds and have bigger buildings. That's not my heart. It's not my passion. It's not my desire. It's for us as church to reach as many people as we can so they don't have to go to hell, so that they can go to heaven, so they can experience real life now in Jesus. And if that brings bigger crowds and that brings more buildings, whatever, but that's what we do, what we do. That's our mission, that's our desire, and that's our hope. And we want you to experience it as well. We want you to experience it as well. I'm going to pray in church. Just, man, consider what we've challenged you with today. We want you to engage in that. After this prayer, we're going to give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus this morning. Uh, myself and some of our pastors, we'd love to pray with you if you need to be prayed with. Um, pointed to Jesus, we'd love to do that. It's going to be an opportunity to give. Um, ushers are going to come, pass buckets. You can give, do it gladly, do it with joy. Thank you, church, for being so generous. You can do that uh, in person here in the buckets. You see the other ways on the screen that you give. My family and I, we give online. It's how we give. Um, and so we just want to encourage you to give with joy and with generosity. It's going to be an opportunity for you to worship. I think we're going to sing, I will follow you. Is that what we're going to sing? 
some powerful words that we sang earlier. Like, will we sing them like with all of our, I will follow you. I will follow you.